Last week on HPH began our two-part series on Rasputin, the Siberian holy man who had become very close to the Russian Tsar Nicholas II and his wife Alexandra. When we left you, Russia was entering World War I and Rasputin was recovering from an assassination attempt by a noseless prostitute. In this episode, we're guiding you through the following few years, which would be the most chaotic in Russian history. Grab a drink and settle in for a tale of intrigue and murder in this episode of 100 Proof History, titled Rasputin Part 2. Ain't no party like a communist party, because a communist party's in the block. This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Welcome back, everyone. As Chris said in the intro, we're talking about Rasputin again. This is the final part of our two-part series. Oh, man. It's a journey. It is. You know? It is. Two parts. Woo! Oh, it's been a long trip. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. This has been an epic. (laughs) It's an odyssey. I'd like to welcome everyone to the last podcast not hosted by a B-list celebrity. Oh, no shit, dude. Like, this fucking Corona... Dude, like every middle class celebrity has their own podcast now talking about whatever show they were on or whatever. It feels like you're the 40-year-old dude with the knee brace on at the YMCA and Michael Jordan shows up and just starts dunking on you. (laughs) (laughs) But Michael Jordan in our case is like Eddie Munster from the fucking Munsters, (laughs) you know? He's like 50 now and hosts a podcast and his numbers just skyrocket. Munster Cheese (laughs) with Eddie Munster, the rewatch show, and you're like, ah, god damn it. (laughs) Uh, It's clever, but fuck that guy. I work really hard on this and he's just watching a TV show and just fucking telling us what he thought when he's recording it. Jesus Christ. Price is bullshit. Stay in your lane, celebrities. This is all we have. That being said, we are dangerously close to getting a B-list celebrity on our show, Greg. Oh, are we? Yeah, I have been in contact with Kelsey Grammer's people. Oh, yes! And by his people, I mean his lawyers, who are very upset about our use of his song to insinuate that you're banging MILFs at the jazz bar. <laughs> oh, this, uh, cease and desist. But you're trying to work that into an appearance. Yeah, but I, like I, I think if we get in the room with him, we can just kind of pitch it, and he'd be Hell yeah, right dude. on board. Shark Tank. And you know what? The only thing we'd ask him to do is sing that song. <laughs> <laughs> Toss salad and scrambled eggs. I love it, dude. Just start screaming, get out, Kelsey, you're done! You're done! <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell yeah, dude. I'm on board with this. We'll have to get Mark Cuban there, and uh, he'll he'll buy the idea. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what exactly we're selling, but Shark Tank style, uh, hopefully he supports us. He's on board for 10% of our I, I, thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. All I, don't I, know. I, I can guarantee you right now all I have to do is take off my shirt, and I have all these Kelsey Grammer tattoos, and I have, <laughs> you know, you've seen me. I have fucked up meth teeth, so I'll just sit down, and he'll be like, sold. I'm riding that Tiger King high this right there, and we're, we're booking this history. fucking show and we're getting drinking Mark Cuban's money, man. We history. have a plan. So, we're going to pay off our drink, loans in no time. Back, and then we'll be B-list celebrities, and, and we can start a fucking podcast, dude. Oh, that's a great point. Oh, you're so smart. Damn, each other. man. So smart. Here are your well, hosts. sorry for Chris being fucking long-winded. I am your main host, Greg. I am your sexy host, Christopher. And again, we're talking about uh, Rasputin. 
and the Romanovs. Oh yeah. And today our we have two we actually have three sources. We're we're tripling up on you. Source number one is Rasputin, Faith, Power, and the Twilight of the Romanovs by Douglas Smith. We referenced that last time. Kind of a chore to read, but very long as shit. Very informational and dispels a lot of the bullshit myths you're going to hear about Rasputin. And Gregory, you also had a Rasputin book, I understand. Yes, I will be referencing The Rasputin File by Edvard Radzinski. Not a German. It's not a W in the middle of his name. No, Edvard is actually E-D-V-A-R-D. Yeah, so. Spelled phonetic. They know how to use their, their, their V's, V's and W's. That's right, yeah. And our final source is The Russian Revolution by Captivating History. One of these, basically, uh, history mills thing just put out a shitload of stuff about history on Amazon. Uh, little short stories. This thing's like 90 pages. It's basically a pamphlet on the Russian Revolution. But it serves our purposes to kind of fill in the blanks in this Rasputin story. It's more than a pamphlet, let's be honest. I've got a lot of STD pamphlets. <laughs> that thing's much bigger than a pamphlet. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. So, you've contracted AIDS, and you open it up, and it just says, don't have sex with anyone without wearing a condom. You're like, huh, cool. Well, I just give a little portfolio to all the MILFs that I do pick up from the jazz bar. Yeah. Like, just on my way out, I leave it on the nightstand. Just so they have <laughs> the proper you, information. As you leave, after you yeah. bare-backed it. He's like, yeah, whatever. They can't get pregnant. The worst thing that happened to them is they get chlamydia. Yeah, it's fine. And here's all the proper information yeah. for that. I'm not the bad guy here. That's true. I'm the good guy. That's true. Well, Gregory, what are you having to drink today, sir? Thank you for asking. I am, uh, I'm actually having two drinks. So my first one is Knob Creek Smoked Maple Bourbon. Mm. Now, I was, you know, walking the liquor store aisles and... I'm not normally a fan of the flavored whiskeys because they normally don't taste like whiskey. Yeah. But, you know, it's Knob Creek and it was still 90 proof. So I'm like, all right, this this sounds good. Like smoked maple. Mm. I like both of those flavors. Mm -hmm. I'm shooting that. Into your veins. <laughs> yeah. I've got it on a slow IV drip, baby. <laughs> but uh, I'm chasing it with North Coast Brewing Company's Old Rasputin. Ooh. Yeah, nice and on topic, right? You are nailing it this week. It's a nine percenter little uh, Russian Imperial Stout. Mm -hmm. It's delicious. It's actually something that I drink somewhat regularly. I'll, I'll have it several times a year. You know, when I'm feeling stouty. Well, your beer, uh, your beer is an obvious tie-in, but how does the smoked maple come into play here? Well, as you know, bourbon is made with. Uh, charred white oak yeah the barrels you know what that's stored in it's how it imparts a lot of its flavor we're going to have in this story some charred white things kind of near the end mm -hmm. i'm not gonna spoil what it is ghosts you know charred ghosts we'll get there <laughs> well yeah just casper like on a fucking marshmallow stick like yeah yeah oh, you're not so friendly now are you bitch I'm a ghostbuster. Yeah. <laughs> it's like ghosts on fire. Why didn't they think of that? Stupid Bill Idiots. Murray. God. Stupid vacuums and all that shit. Yeah. <sighs> Dummies. Uh, what are you drinking, Chris? Uh, today I'm having Slaughterhouse American Whiskey. Uh, this is mm. a, a California product. They take uh, sourced nine-year-old bourbon, put it in some wine barrels, let it sit there and age a little bit longer. It picks up some of the flavors. Uh, it's pretty good. They don't tell you who they source their whiskey from, but typically when you see a nine-year bourbon that's very specific, and you see it a lot in the Heaven Hill bourbons that are sourced out around the country. 
And it does have like that Heaven Hill taste to it. Uh, it is I like Heaven Hill. It is. It's pretty good. I, I'm not gonna lie. I've, I've already had a whiskey sour with it. Now I'm just drinking it uh, neat in my Glen Cairn. So I'm I'm enjoying it immensely. It does tie into the story, Slaughterhouse. It's kind of like your burned white things. I'm gonna save the explanation for later. Yeah. So you'll know what you'll be like. You're listening. You're like, oh, that's terrible. Oh, Slaughterhouse. I get it. it ma- yeah. Okay. It makes sense now. Okay. Cool. Cool. Now I get the. T- I've been thinking about that the whole time. I haven't listened to another word they've said, but I've been thinking about why t- his whiskey ties in. <laughs> you know, I think it's funny how we can both go to like a fine dining establishment, um, like an Applebee's. Well, I'm not allowed in I- Applebee's anymore. But go ahead. Yes. Okay. Like a, a TGI Fridays. Okay. Yeah. And I can ask for a shot of whiskey, and you can ask for a whiskey neat. And I'm the alcoholic, and you're the connoisseur. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's all in the wording, man. Come on, man. Yeah. I see I see you drinking fucking neats out of your Glencairn. Motherfucker's almost filled to the top, and you're taking gulps out of it. <laughs> That's only a slight exaggeration, actually. I think I've had, like, <laughs> five of these already, so it's going to be a fun show for everybody. I'm sure Wolf Dick can't wait to edit it. What else is he And got? for those not in the know, he is our esteemed producer, editor... Uh, Wolf Dick, no relation to TV's Dick Wolf. No, but if somehow Kelsey Grammer can get us introduced to Dick Wolf, Wolf Dick is right out the door. We're just going to push him down a hill and see how fucking far he rolls. And we live in San Francisco, so it's just like fucking flying down the hills past uh, the Full House house or whatever it's called. Full House house. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he is a, he is an invalid, by the way. Oh, yeah, you didn't space. mention that. I'm just, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that makes more sense True, for the defend himself. <laughs> no, he cannot. <laughs> yeah. And that's the that's the only allure he has is that he can't defend himself for multiple multiple assaults on his person. All right, Chris, uh you ready to fuck this dog? Yeah, man. Let's uh let's get balls deep. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the gross part. <laughs> <laughs> Banging them balls on the dog clip. <laughs> Guys, I'm not going to give you a full recap of last week's episode i feel like the intro to this one kind of gave you an idea but if you want to know what happened just go back and listen uh there's a whole lot involved in this story and we don't want to bog you down too much i feel like we've already done that with all of greg's ranting and raving about you know the global conspiracies but basically rasputin was the advisor to czar nicholas and his wife alexandra but more of a spiritual advisor like a holy man giving them guidance and in the ways of god and that sort of thing but he was accused of basically running the country in secret and being you know this horrible person who raped women and got drunk all the time and only half of that was true and he had a big weenie oh yeah that is important to know he did have a 14 inch dick so just let that sink in for a second ladies welcome to our history podcast yeah hey On July 17th, 1914, Tsar Nicholas II ordered the full mobilization of the Russian army. They were about to enter the First World War in an alliance with England and France, and they would be fighting the Germans and Austro-Hungarian Empire. Rasputin had argued strongly against entering the war, and he'd been supported by Alexandra, but the people of Russia wanted war, and just like old DMX, Nicholas was going to give it to her. (laughs) <laughs> and this would turn out to be a less than stellar move on the Tsar's part. Yeah, it's it's kind of right off the bat, if he'd listened to Rasputin, who knows what happens going forward. If there's still a Tsar, you know, we have this huge revolution coming up. But 
If he just said, you know, we probably shouldn't go to war. Who knows how different this story is? Only the guy from Quantum Leap knows, Greg. Scott Bakula, dude. Yeah. Don't ask me why I just know that I, right off the top. <laughs> Doctor Doctor Sam something or other. And the only I always liked how he always found a fucking mirror to look in. <laughs> yeah. You know, to see like yeah. uh, who he actually was. Yeah, and the only one anyone remembers, including myself, is where he looks up and goes, Am I retarded? And he sees he says <laughs> down. That's only because that was like a meme a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. I remember that fucking show, dude. I watched it when I was a kid. For the next few years, Nicholas would spend most of his time at the Stavka, which was the Russian military command in Mogilev. This was another decision that Rasputin and Alexander had argued against. The press would report that both Rasputin and Alexander wanted Nicholas out of the way so they could run things, and it is true that they'd replace a few ministers along the way, but always with Nicholas's blessing. In fact, Alexander and Rasputin preferred Nicholas to stay in St. Petersburg so they could more easily persuade him. When he was away and he didn't like their ideas, he'd just flat out fucking ignore them. You know, it's kind of like your buddy who's dating that very controlling male or female, dating someone who's very controlling, very clingy, and he does the whole, you know, I really would like to come hang out with you guys, have a drink, watch, you know, the football game, but I haven't seen my wife in a few days and we're, we're kind of growing apart a little bit, so I'd like to just spend the day with her. We're going to go antiquing and around the Arboretum and just have a nice lunch and, you know, I'll, I'll just check the, the score on my phone. It's, it's fine. And you know that wasn't his fucking idea. That was never his idea. It was her idea. And she's trying to drive a wedge <laughs> between you. Uh, but Is Arboretum kind of universal? I don't know, man. I feel like everybody's got an Arboretum around them. I don't feel like that's a Vivaldi Four Seasons thing that I'm throwing out there. Oh, darling, let's, uh... Let's go have a glass of wine at the Arboretum. Mm. But then you get him away from that particular person, and he's like the hardest partier ever, and he's like fucking smashing beer cans on his head, and he's shirtless, and you know, <laughs> Frank the Tank, Frank the <laughs> <Yeah>. Tank. <laughs> and that's kind of how it is with Nicholas. He gets away from Alexander and Rasputin, and suddenly he can make his own fucking decisions. He does. He's not getting kowtowed into, you know, ineffectual leadership. In March of 1915, the press reported that Rasputin had gone to a club called the Yar, gotten hammered drunk, danced around like an idiot, grabbed the ass of a few of the dancers, and then whipped out his dick and proclaimed it was the source of his power over the Tsarina. Dude had so much big dick energy that it, like, came upon him, you know, much like it would a uh, Super Saiyan in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, Goku goes Super Saiyan and his hair turns blonde, you yeah. know, and he gets all the superpowers. Rasputin just goes hog wild and starts fucking whip cracking tables in half with his fucking dong. <laughs> yeah, he's, <just> like, fucking, <laughs> he's fucking 12 pound sea cucumber looking motherfucker. Just flops it out on the table and smashes it in half. Vodka goes flying everywhere. <laughs> Vodka splinters. Fucking dust cloud. Dust dust settles and it's just him with his fucking big ass beard and his dick in his hand just staring you down. He's doing that. I'm out of here. <laughs> he's doing that weird fighting game thing where he's breathing a little hard. He's like <gasps> rising oh, up yeah. and down, but his dick's just the fucking. Old, like, Super Nintendo <laughs> era. Yeah. <laughs> well, three months later, police documents surfaced and it supported this story and said he was arrested for this incident. Now, it's a little suspicious, Gregory, that it took three months for these police reports to show up. And you know what? That's because it was all bullshit. He never smashed a table with his Super Saiyan dick. I'm sorry. Dang it. I know. 
everyone's just tuned out immediately. Like, oh, well, this story wasn't going where I thought it was. Fuck this. Unsubscribe. Yep. The police had been following Rasputin all over at this point, and they documented that night extensively, and there was no mention of this incident in those documents. It had all been cooked up by the Prime Minister, who wanted Rasputin thrown out of the palace. When Alexandra and Nicholas found out about this plot, it actually strengthened Rasputin's position and made it evident that the people were conspiring against him. The Prime Minister, of course, was fired. But, uh, let's not pretend that Rasputin was some babe-in-the-woods victim of fake news. He definitely did things to earn his reputation. He was constantly fucking. Since he had the ear of Alexandra, women would visit him and ask for favors like additional rations or having their sons sent home from the war. Rasputin agreed to the request so long as he got to bear back him in his office, just like Greg does those MILFs. <laughs> Nasty motherfucker. <laughs> it's, it is funny, you're reading this and it's basically like a woman would come in and is like, I'm so worried about my son. He's like, come in here. And the next thing everyone's sitting in the lobby here is, oh, oh, Rasputin, oh, it's true. Make me another son to send to war. <laughs> the meat grinder needs meat. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you the meat, baby. 14 inches of sausage. <laughs> well, in addition to this, he was always groping women at the parties and slapping them on the ass and calling like fat ass and fun names like that. You know, women love that kind of thing. <laughs> Yay. But even though he was this, you know, misogynistic pig, some of the wealthy women would still hook up with him because they were just bored at fucking home and needed a thrill. Riding the old train to Bone Town. Mm -hmm. First stop, Analville. <laughs> that's, that's the first stop for you, okay. <laughs> you can't put 14 inches in a vagina, Chris. That's true. There's not enough colon to support it. I understand your argument now, okay. Rasputin actually grew to have a small harem of women around him who would follow him, feed him, do his laundry, and of course, sex him up. On one occasion, Rasputin was observed beating one of his followers named Olga Roktina. She grabbed him by his dick and shouted, You're a god! He replied, You're a bitch. The journalist that saw him beating Olga told him to knock it off, to which Rasputin said, She's begging to sin. Olga continued to yell hysterically, I am your lamb, and you are Christ. I like how you sound like you're from Gone with the Wind or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I do what I know, and obviously my wife is very Southern, and we do have this role play where I, I dress up as Jesus with the beard mm -hmm. and everything, and then we get it on. See, she probably just makes you think it's Jesus. She's thinking old Rasputin. <laughs> he kind of did look Jesus-like, you know, the beard and he's the hair. He's got the big beard, long hair. Yeah. yeah. And he's white, just like Jesus was. Definitely wasn't from the Middle <laughs> East. <laughs> Dirty as fuck, like everybody before basically when I was born was. Yeah, exactly. He smelled like cig cigarettes, just like my my mom. Yeah. My mom on delivery day, when she had me. <laughs> Just chain smoking. Cigarettes and booze. Yeah. Is it out yet? <laughs> you know what? In her defense, that was a very sanitary truck stop that she chose to deliver me in. Just, just saying. Different times. Man. Yeah, Different it was. Times. 1992 was a crazy year. You were born in 92, is that what you're saying? I like to mix it up. I like to lie about my age. So now I am, what, 28? Oh, yeah. Right in the wheelhouse of all these sexy ladies that are listening to us. Hmm. Yeah. You want to mail with features of fetal alcohol syndrome? Mm-hmm. Hit me up in the comments. Yep. And, you know, 
I do what everybody does. You know, once you hit a certain age you and you get on these like dating apps, you got to lie about how old you are and put up fake pictures. And your height, you know. Yeah. Just your mom smoked during pregnancy, wanted a small baby like uh, old Courtney Love. Yeah. 5'2", fetal alcohol syndrome survivor. What's <laughs> up, ladies? That's what my profile actually says. I'm in real life. I'm just a 60-year-old Peter Dinklage, but not nearly as handsome. <laughs> and not suffering from dwarfism. No, no, it's just me, man. It's just, just me. Just a giant fucking head. <laughs> yeah. I'm very top-heavy. I can't ride roller coasters just because I flop all around and get <laughs> neck Snap sprains. Snap my fucking neck. <laughs> yeah. I have to wear a C-collar. Yeah. Were we talking about Rasputin? I think we were talking about Rasputin or something. I, nah, I doubt it. That, that doesn't sound familiar. No. But anyway, once you've heard that story, hit me up in the comments, ladies. Let me know if you want to... Snap this neck around your bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, things were falling apart for the Russians when it came to the war. By the middle of the summer of 1915, they had lost nearly 4 million men, and Nicholas was considering calling up more conscripts. Rasputin said this was a mistake and would cost Nicholas his reign. Nicholas ignored him, but the press got wind and continued to trash Rasputin. Now they were calling him a German spy who was hell-bent on assassinating the Tsar and his family. And now they were about to get some more ammo on old Rasputin. On August 10th, 1915, Rasputin stumbled home to Siberia and told his friends he had spent the day before incredibly drunk and said to him, Oh boys, that didn't go well. Who hadn't been there, right? Am I right? And that actually was a huge understatement. The day before, Rasputin had been on a steamer ship heading to Siberia. He got incredibly drunk, propositioned a woman, and when her husband showed up, he propositioned that guy too. He basically said, he, he, yeah, he basically said, uh, ordinarily I don't kiss men, but if you don't want to kiss me, I'll kiss that dude. I mean, that's, that was the, that's mm -hmm. paraphrasing, but that's, that's where he was. Then he took 15 enlisted men into the ship's bar and got them drunk. And at this time they weren't allowed in the bar. So that's kind of a big deal. The captain threw the sailors out at which point Rasputin started yelling at a waiter, saying the waiter stole 3,000 rubles from him. And then suddenly, he apologized to the waiter, gave the waiter 10 rubles, and tried to kiss him. Hell yeah. <laughs> Every night at fucking Applebee's, that's why I'm not allowed back. <laughs> Shortly thereafter, he stumbled to his room and laid down. His window was open, so a crowd watched. I, I just, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because it's like he's passed out in his bed, and the window to his room's open, and these people just gather around and watch as he swing rapidly from laughing hysterically to crying hysterically. This is this fucking first time drunk, I guess, you know? <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening to me. <laughs> oh, he has some problems. Don't we all? He passed out, puked, woke up, passed out again, and when the ship arrived in Siberia, the crew had to help carry him off the boat. Unlike the other incidents, this one was reported immediately and verified by several witnesses. That same month, Tsar Nicholas made himself supreme commander of the Russian forces and began to lift the Stavka full-time. 1915 was a terrible year for the Russian forces. In the spring of 1916, an offensive was launched in the south against the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, as known as the Brusilov uh, offensive, sorry. And uh, it was actually very successful until the Germans showed up to bail out the Austro-Hungarians. Eventually, we'll do a World War One series. This was probably the best move the Russians made during this offensive. It just kind of stalled out because 
not only the Germans showing up, but because some other Russian generals didn't act when they should have, but all of that was at the behest of Nicholas II. Yep. Well, that minor victory came with great costs. Not only had the Russians lost millions of soldiers, but people were starving in the cities and were being overworked in the factories. Propaganda was being spread by the media and by the communists. The main source of the people's anger was the Tsar and his wife, and of course, Rasputin. As 1916 wore on, the wealthy elite believed there was only one thing they could do to save the monarchy. Kill Grigory Rasputin dead. Wait, you mean kill him until he, he dies? Yeah, kill just until he's dead Whoa. from it. Yeah, kill the shit out of him. Jesus. Yeah, they're serious in Russia, man. Rasputin had become more of a party boy in 1916. He was practically always drunk and always demanding to be entertained. His reputation continued to precede him, and his critics were growing more and more vocal. One member of the Duma, Vladimir Perishkovich, gave a speech on November 19, 1916, blaming Rasputin for all of the country's woes. In the crowd was Prince Felix Yusupov, nephew of the Tsar and hater of Rasputin. And probably a bisexual. Not an important note, but, you know, we talk about our dicks enough. Let's just throw that in there. <laughs> he liked it both ways. <laughs> he can't decide. <laughs> Who don't, man? Who don't? Yeah, true. In the following days, he gave a call to Perishkovich and began to formulate a plan to assassinate Rasputin. Over the following month, Yusupov would visit Rasputin and befriend him under the guise of receiving healing treatments from a holy man. They decided the most effective method would be to use poison because gunshots might draw too much attention. And poison was a very popular band at the time. You know, they were real, <laughs> real big in Russia at that time. So yeah, I would, I would, uh -huh. I would have hired him for the the whole party too. Well, you know, every rose has its thorn. Oh, is that poison? I don't even know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they enlisted the help of a doctor named Stanislaw Lazovert, and Yusupov obtained some sodium cyanide crystals. The conspirators decided that they'd put their plan in action on December sixteenth. Kind of bullshit, man. You're not even gonna let the guy have Christmas. On the ninth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me sodium cyanide crystals. Now I'm fucking dead. <laughs> Fuck you. And I drank myself to death like Nicolas Cage and leaving Las Vegas. Mm. Sorry. You know, you're just making me pine for the holidays right now. <laughs> that day started off pretty normal for Rasputin. He woke up hungover, answered the phone and received a death threat. And then, you know his routine where he went through his mail, which was full of death threats. It's kind of like every day of running this fucking podcast. <laughs> Except we get sent a lot of uh, tit pics. Yeah. They're, you know, normally just overweight dudes in their, in their 50s, but... And they have... Hey, they're tit pics. They have, I'm gonna fucking kill you in your sleep written across them in Sharpie, but <laughs> I still get guys off. Wearing a, I still guys finish. Wearing a fucking clown face mask for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yep. I still I think it's the same dude, honestly. I still come. It's fine. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Yusupov had told Rasputin that his wife, Irina, needed some healing, too, and told Rasputin he'd be calling. That call actually didn't come until 1 a.m. the following day on the 17th. Yusupov and his co-conspirators had spent the day getting everything ready at Yusupov's house. They set up the basement to look as if a party had been going on in there, and loaded up a bunch of cakes and wine with cyanide crystals. Dr. Stanislaw Lazovert had said it was enough cyanide to kill several men. 
basically just everything in there is covered in fucking cyanide. Just brushing it on the chair, putting it on his <laughs> drink, you know, the cake, his side of the table. It's just basically white powder fucking everywhere. Like, oh, fuck, man. Like, even mixed it in with the cocaine so you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. It's, you it's, put a black light in there and it looks like Chris's fun room. Yeah. Yusupov put cyanide it's everywhere. Cyanide crystals all over his own skin and dick in case Rasputin tried to have sex with him. He could, you know, anally infect him with cyanide. Um, that's a medical term, by the way, anally infect with cyanide. Oh my goodness. Yes. I didn't just make that up. I, I learned that from a medical book because I'm a... Grey's Anatomy. I'm a You're dog. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a show, Greg. That's not a book. Stupid. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love when you play stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It turn, turns me on. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I was totally, I was yeah, totally I was playing stupid. <laughs> Is there a book called Grey's Anatomy? <laughs> Yusupov picked Rasputin up and drove him uh, to his house. When they entered, Yusupov led Rasputin into the basement. He told them that there was a small party going on upstairs, and the two men could hear murmuring voices and a gramophone playing Yankee Doodle Dandy. Every good party has it, man. That's how you kick it off. Yeah. You start with Little John, you know, shot, 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 and then you go right into fucking Yankee Doodle Dandy on a gramophone. And then, you know what comes after it, Greg? You know what comes after it, Greg. Do I? Oh. Little Kelsey and I'm Grammar? proud to be oh. an American. With, with my tossed salads and scrambled <laughs> eggs. Well, they sat in the basement and began to talk. Yusupov offered Rasputin the poison cakes. Rasputin at first refused, but then, you know, being the indulgent person that he is, went ahead and ate them anyway. Mm -hmm. He then asked for a drink and was given the poison wine. He appeared sleepy and his words slurred a little, but by 3.20 a.m., Rasputin had eaten four poison cakes and had at least four glasses of poison red wine. Honestly, I was surprised it wasn't more. Yeah. It was at this point Yusupov said, fuck it, pulled out a revolver and shot Rasputin in the chest. <laughs> like, dude. Yeah. You went through this elaborate fucking plot and then you couldn't wait for it to where you're just going to pull out a gun, which you didn't want to do because it's noisy. And then, like, as he's maybe suffering the effects of this poison, you just go ahead and fucking shoot him anyway. It's like he built okay. this elaborate fucking Rube Goldberg machine to like open the fridge and drop a beer out. And, uh -huh. you know, and then he sets it off and it's going great. The tennis ball hits the egg and the egg rolls down, knocks over the dominoes and, you know, scares the cat and the cat pops a balloon and the balloon sets off all this other shit. And eventually the fridge opens, but the beer doesn't fall out. And so you eventually just, the dildo goes into my mouth. Yeah. And then he pulls out the shotgun and just blasts the fucking, you know, fridge until the beer falls open. He's like, I fucking did it. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Which wouldn't that be weird if you bought a dildo just to put it in your mouth? Where else you know? would you put it? I'm a guy, Greg. I don't have a vagina. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. God. That is true. Yeah. Well, anyway. Half the time while we're doing this podcast, I have a dildo in my mouth. That's why you have to edit so much. I mean, that's why Wolf Dick has to edit so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, after reading this, I feel like Yusupov, you know, pulling the gun out and shooting him after, you know, he's already poisoned him mm -hmm. in his mind. I feel like he's the only person more impetuous than Rasputin. Oh, absolutely, you know yeah. I mean? <laughs> like, he just couldn't fucking wait. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck? Like, well, it's 3.20 in the morning, you're getting tired. Like, fuck, we've been out fuck all, this. all night. <laughs> Jesus Christ, is this guy going to die? You know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> I did my best. I'm done. 
Well, Dr. Stanislaw Lazovert, uh, he examined the body, proclaimed Rasputin dead, and the men all went upstairs to celebrate. Yep. Oh, fucking job well done. <laughs> yeah. Mission accomplished. Dude, Hang the banner. If I fucking cut a homeless person's head off in my basement, uh-huh. I'm not leaving it there because I feel like I would come down and the head would be gone. And I'd be looking around for it, and it would come down from the rafters and just start biting me on the... Yes. And I'd get fucking hepatitis and all the, you know, homeless diseases and yes, stuff like that. Yes, that, that is something that happens. That is, yeah. But this dude just shot the man, and they're ready to go party upstairs on the <laughs> yeah. Yankee Doodle dandy fucking gramophone. Yeah. Like, I, I, that's not even cutting the head off. They're like, let's go shove some... I've just some... seen too many zombie movies, dude. <laughs> let's go sh- shove some feathers in our hats and dance around and be merry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We did it. We saved Two American song. We saved Russia. We're heroes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're just all doing the uh what is that? Congo line. <laughs> doing a what con- is it? A Congo line around the, the castle, the palace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're just all doing that upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Alright, guys, it's time to limbo. <laughs> Stick out. I can't wait until we do the YMCA, guys. Oh, this favorite. <laughs> well, according to Yusupov, he later went down to check on Rasputin, at which point Rasputin opened his eyes, which were glowing green uh-huh. by all reports. Makes sense. And lunged at Yusupov. The two men struggled, but Yusupov was able to fight Rasputin off. Suddenly, Rasputin threw open the side door and crawled out onto the snow. Purishkovich gave chase and fired his gun four times, striking Rasputin in the back. He then walked over to Rasputin as he laid on the ground and shot him straight in the fucking head. Upon seeing the corpse in his front yard, Yusupov passed out and was carried to bed. Just couldn't handle it. Yeah. I, I like to imagine that Purushkovich does this, like shoots him in the back, walks over, pops him in the head, and then like three days later he's in the shower and he thought of a really cool thing he should have said right before he shot him in the head. It's like, ah, fuck. I should have should have said, who's head of state now? Or, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that shower. Yeah. Like arguing. Like you get in those mental arguments. Like, oh, I should have said this. I'm Perfect. S- I always win those arguments. And then I masturbate furiously. <laughs> you know, the French have a, uh, they have a term for that. Yeah. It's uh, l'esprit d'escalier, which basically is like the spirit of the stairs or... Uh, the mind of the stairs, and it mean like it's the same thing in the shower situation. It's somebody says something to you, and you're walking down the stairs, and it's only like when you get to the bottom of the stairs, you realize the perfect retort. Uh, like, oh fuck, I should have said this. So you get to the bottom of the stairs, and you're like, uh, no, Robespierre was against the death penalty. Stupid. Like, right. You can't run back up the stairs because then you look like a fucking idiot. You know, so it's just you have to bite your tongue like fuck and live with it, much like we do in the shower. Yeah, man. You know what? Even if you did bust through the stairs and shout that, I'd be like, "Well, I mean, he killed a bunch of people." And you're like, "Fuck!" And you go back down the stairs. Like, let me come f- back up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, those Frenchies really hated that Robespierre fucking take. <laughs> they did. Or some of them, I don't know. Two of them did, and that basically tells me that the whole country hated it, so fuck you, France. <laughs> Why don't you try winning a war? <laughs> Got him. I nailed him, One of the most fucking war-hungry nations in all of history. Yeah, very successful military in history, but 
Let's ignore that so I can win the argument. Come on, help me out. <laughs> we saved you, man. America, <laughs> fuck yeah. Anyway, back to the story. The rest of the men bound Rasputin in ropes and threw him off of a nearby bridge into a frozen river. His body was discovered three days later. His hands were freed from their ropes, and when they performed an autopsy, they found water in his lungs, indicating he was still breathing when they threw him in the river. This is one tough motherfucker. This is a very believable story, and I hope that this is how it's told throughout history. Dude, I mean, this dude refused to die. Yep. Or, so the legend goes. Now, as we do here on 100 Proof History, let's piss all over that parade. Yeah, we like to get drunk and then tell you about all the horrible shit that you're doing. Like, we judge you more harshly when we're drunk than anything else, so... Oh, be like, just hammer drunk, be like, ah, oh, that guy you're with, he's a fucking, he's just a fucking prick, he's an asshole. Let me tell you all the shit he does. Let me tell you the stuff he told me in the bathroom about your vagina. And then all of a sudden, we're the heroes. That's what... You should come out to my conversion van and further this conversation. Yeah. In the parking lot. That's right. Plus, we just kind of like to piss on everything. <laughs> it just happens to be this parade right we, now. We already mentioned it. Anytime we get the opportunity to whip out our dick and piss, it's going to happen. Hell yeah. All right, well, back to pissing on the parade. First up, the cyanide. We described how it works in our Jonestown series, but just know that it's highly effective and works very quickly. The amount described by Yusupov in his later telling of the story would have killed a goddamn elephant, let alone a peasant with a liver that's been fattened up by years of drinking. Furthermore, the conspirators got the cyanide crystals from a man named Maklikov, who would later say he had given them an inert powder. Even if he's lying, the doctor who was there that night said he had a change of heart and had switched the powders. So, I mean, these are two separate links in this chain that show that this dude did not get cyanide. Yeah, and what we talked about in the Jonestown series, it does work very fast and cause you to choke on your own fucking blood in your lungs. You just die very quickly, painfully. And it kind of, it makes sense with the story that the same doctor that was there that night, uh, Dr. Lazavert, he checks him for a pulse and says, yep, he's dead, guys. We did it. Let's go up and celebrate. Let's leave this, you know, let's leave the, the basement. Uh, this guy's definitely dead. You know, he didn't want to kill anybody. He'd sworn the Hippocratic Oath, and he's like, this goes against everything I believe in. You think they had the Hippocratic Oath in 1916? Uh, that is what my main source said, actually, that he was worried about violating that Hippocratic Oath. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to assume, yeah, they had some form of it in 1916 Russia. I don't know, man. I know how I want to die. Oh, this is this is good. This is good because you've been afraid of death and discussed all the ways you don't want to die. So I want to hear. Well, I'm afraid, but how, I how mean, you, you want to die. Like I'm afraid of getting a rectal examination from my doctor, but I hope he has very tiny fingers and uses plenty of lube. You you're know what I mean? You're only afraid you'll love it, and you open your eyes to what you've been feeling all these years. No, I will. And this podcast will take a turn. And we'll be living in Vermont together. <laughs> Vermont? Yeah. Bernie will take care of us. Open up our own maple syrup shop. You know, I'll work the register. You can work my anus every night. God. Mm. Mm. That's the only reason I started podcasting. Well, my podcasting. joke's already going to fall flat. I was <laughs> going to say, like Nicolas Cage in Leaving Las Vegas, do a call back to that reference with Elizabeth Shue on top of me. Oh, Just Remember, they were boning when he died. I like that better, actually. Than my homoerotic fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> well, back to the reasons why, you know, the, this parade has been pissed on. 
The second reason is when the conspirators had thrown Rasputin into the river, they had bound his hands, but had done so in a hurry so they wouldn't be discovered. Remember, this is 1916 Russia, and no one is out and about at four in the damn morning. In fact, there was so little traffic in the winter that their tire tracks were still present on the bridge when the body was found three fucking days later. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So they tossed him over in the current or the ice or the rocks, freed his hands, which then floated up over his head like, you know, every drowning victim ever. Yeah, there's even some people who said he was trying to make the sign of the cross as he was underwater because his hands are up over his head. <laughs> That's so stupid. Your your hands naturally float upward above your head. Like you're just laying some fucking water and let your hands go. And you'll see how they just float up above your head. So, <sighs> People are the worst. They are. Thank you to all the people that subscribe to our Patreon. And finally, when an autopsy was conducted, there was no water found in his lungs. This is a common misconception. Yeah. Zero. The medical examiner listed the cause of death as, oh, what do we call it? The big fucking bullet hole in the front of Rasputin's head. <laughs> That's what did him in. Oh, shit. Oh, that makes sense. Damn it. Like, he's so fucking holy or demonic or whatever you want to say that he's immune to being shot in the brain at close range by a revolver. People just really liked that theory of him just being this otherworldly sort of dude, this mystic. And mystics typically come with special powers. Bullets couldn't kill him, but drowning finally did him in. Ah, bullets! My only weakness. <laughs> Well, pretty much all of the myths about Rasputin's death were made up by Yusupov and Rasputin's old buddy, Ilyador, to make him seem more demonic and to make Yusupov look more heroic for killing him for the sake of Russia. Either way, Rasputin was dead. His body was cremated, and no, his penis is not actually on display in a museum in Russia or anywhere else. So in case you looked that up on the internet... Not his dick. Not his dick. <laughs> The men who killed him would never face any sort of justice and would eventually be hailed as heroes. Nicholas and Alexandra were greatly saddened by the loss of their friend, but honestly, they had bigger fish to fry. Revolution was coming to Russia. Mm. Can we go back just a, a heartbeat? Like, I like these people who think that these are actually Rasputin's dicks that keep showing up in museums and stuff. To just think about the logistics of that. And a guy's like, oh yeah. I'm going to burn this motherfucker. He's he's ruined Russia. And, you know, he's killed the monarchy and all this shit. But, you know, before I burn him, what if I just chop off that dick and put it in a glass of formaldehyde? That's probably the, you know, the smart thing to do. That's that's normal. Everyone would think. Well, <laughs> even when, uh, you know, there were rumors that, like, his dick was a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, like post-mortem. It was that they cut the fucking dick off, and it was kind of mummified or dried out. Yeah. It wasn't put in fucking formaldehyde. <laughs> and the thing that they were trying to pass off as his dick in, like, the 70s, it had, like, the balls and everything. Why They wouldn't go through the trouble of taking off the entire yeah. section of dick ball area. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that turned out to be, what, a sea cucumber, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's just crazy. I, I get And there was one that was like a either a horse or a donkey. Yeah, I don't know. We get it, guys. We are also obsessed with Rasputin's dick, but I probably wouldn't cut it off. And, and oh, try I've and Googled it so many times. <laughs> yeah. Your wife's looking at your phone and is like, why is Rasputin's penis 
and where is Rasputin's penis and how can I find Rasputin's penis and what does Rasputin's penis taste like in your search history? Why are you going through my phone, woman? <laughs> yeah. Does she have better things to do with your boyfriend? <laughs> yeah. Why are you so fucking preoccupied with me? Mm-hmm. Don't you and Russell have something to do? <laughs> Russell. All right. Well, before we get into this revolution, we should probably take a break because, honestly, all I'm going to be thinking about for the next, like, six, seven hours is Rasputin's dick. Mm, RD, bud. Yeah, so might need to... Refreshing my drink and uh, go sit on a you know pineapple just to calm myself down a little bit. Oh goodness! <laughs> uh, yeah, like Chris is saying though, we're going to kind of get into the after effects of a lot of the things that the Rasputin era of Russia kind of led to, and it, there's a lot of fucking crazy shit still to come in this story. Yeah, we tricked you. We we introduced Sean Bean to you, and you thought he was going to be king or something. And then, like, episode six, we cut off his fucking head. And now you gotta deal with the rest of season one. That's basically what this this podcast is. Sean Beaton dies in, like, everything. Well, I still didn't see it coming in season one of Game of Thrones. How about that? Oh, I fucking certainly didn't either. (laughs) And I bet all of our listeners didn't see Rasputin dying before the break. Because, you know, our listeners aren't that smart. That's why they listen to us. Fucking idiots. Some of them even give us money. (laughs) Dummies. (laughs) Break time. Love you And we're back from break. I got pretty uh, pretty drunk during the break. I was singing a lot of Frozen songs by myself in this spacious tent that I have set up on the patio, my efficiency apartment. <laughs> yeah? I don't even remember what we were talking about. Was it something French or something? I don't know. I feel like we left on a very sexual note, and I've already forgotten why I was aroused, so I had to come up with other reasons to finish, but here we are. I'm back, and I'm very sad. Hey. Very sad about my life. How was your break, Greg? Uh, normal. Fine. <laughs> okay. All right. Drink whiskey. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's fun for me. That's you saw me careening off the highway, car crashing. You just drove by and fucking waved as you went on your way. Howdy, neighbor. <laughs> yeah. That looks like Chris's car. Okay. All right. Well, he's probably fine. <laughs> That's probably Chris. <laughs> yeah. He might be dead. Uh, well, take care. I'm the star of Hunter Proof History now. <laughs> <laughs> now it's 200 Proof History. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so, let me get this straight. When I talk about you leaving the show, I say we changed the name to 50 Proof History because it's, you know, it's half as good. When you talk about me leaving the show, it becomes 200 proof history. So like addition by subtraction. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, it's twice as good at that point. (laughs) Okay. Because it's all me, baby. Me and the MILFs in the fucking jazz bar. Mm. Just going around clubbing the homeless. Well, I came into this episode in a pretty dark place, but you've you've really pulled me out of that that spiral. So uh, I guess let's talk about some history or or some shit. I don't know anymore, man. Welcome to the party. (laughs) Yay! Well, catch us up, dude. Where are we at? Which, by the way, I like that we uh, we catch everybody up after the fucking 10-second break. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it does help to summarize a little bit. Well, Gregory, Rasputin is dead. No! 
Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys saw that coming, since, like you said before, he was a middle-aged man at the turn of the century, the 20th century. So, yeah, he's no longer with us. Um, pour one out. Natural causes, of course. <laughs> yeah, natural causes. If you consider a bullet to the brain through the front of his skull, natural. You can probably work the math somehow in your head to make it natural. That's how I remain a vegan, but eat steak and ribs every night. Anyway, Rasputin was dead, and he had been the holy man advisor to the Tsar Nicholas II and his wife Alexandra. Russia had gone to war in World War I, and it was not going well. And at that point, Tsar Nicholas had decided to take over for himself. With Rasputin dead, it seemed like things might get better for the monarchy, but revolution was on their doorstep, and that's where we are right now. Well, like we mentioned briefly in the first half of the show, the poor folk in Russia were overworked and starving. In January of 1917, 140,000 people went on strike. By February, some had returned, but well over 100,000 still remained on the streets. And on February 18th, 20,000 workers at the Putilov Arms Factory in Petrograd walked out of the factory. This was kind of a big deal because of that whole, you know, Russia fighting in World War I and needing artillery and guns thing. Seems at least mildly important. Yeah, just kind of tangential to the whole situation. <laughs> Genital. There's no tangentials in Russia. The sun never shines on that fucking hellhole. <laughs> well, the government decided to help everyone by introducing strict food rationing, but that caused riots as people rushed to buy up all the stuff they could have before the limits took effect. It's kind of like uh, modern-day America, am I right? Hey. hey. I don't have a fort made out of 6,000 rolls of toilet paper that I can't sell or return to the store. And beef. Yeah. It smells awful, but... Uh, it's become a matter of principle now. Now I'm just going to live in it. <laughs> Nobody realized how much toilet paper and beef were connected yep. until right now. <laughs> Wake up, sheeple. Wake up, beefle. Mm. Well, on February 25th, Tsar Nicholas decided to do his own version of helping by telling the soldiers in Petrograd to go ahead and shoot the shit out of the protesters and rioters. Unfortunately for him, communist pamphlets and years of their own struggles led the soldiers to realize they were in the same boat as the workers, and hundreds of them refused their orders and joined up with the protesting mob. The Tsar's advisors saw only one way to restore order. Nicholas would have to abdicate his throne and give up power. Nicholas said, uh, nah, you know what, fuck that, I'm, I'm pretty good as long as I have my elite guard protecting me. Um, but his elite guards immediately defected. Yeah, <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, uh, I'm good as long as this bulletproof vest is right. Oh, wait, it's a fucking sheet. Left it at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just wearing a shirt that says black by popular demand. That's not going to stop bullets. <laughs> black by popular demand. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> well, when his elite guards defected, they brought 40,000 guns to the protesters who then began to hunt down and kill the police. This isn't, this isn't going great for everyone, uh, you know, on the government side of things. On March 1st, 1917, Tsar Nicholas agreed to give up his throne. Well, most of the people expected the title of Tsar to then be handed to old little Alexei. You guys remember Alexei? The sexy hemophiliac? Oh, he's so sexy. Yeah. Almost bleeding and screaming and... Wah, wah! I don't think he sounded like that, Gregory. I think he was... 
More. Oh, yeah. yeah. I am bleeding. <laughs> I am in pain. Mommy, give me tutu milk. <laughs> That's exactly what he sounded like. Yeah, that, that was him. Yep. Forgot. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was the 13-year-old heir to the throne and obviously the natural successor, but Nicholas didn't think his son could handle the title without stubbing his toe and dying, so the Tsar named his brother Mikhail as the new Tsar. Well, people fucking hated this idea. They knew if Alexei was named Tsar, then the provisional government could take over while they waited till Alexei had come of age and get all sexy and with his big boobs and stuff. <laughs> and it, while they were waiting, they could probably quiet down this uprising. But Mikhail was the new Tsar, and Nicholas and Alexandra and their five children were placed under house arrest in St. Petersburg. It was oddly similar to our French Revolution series. But I think things are going to work out a lot better for Nicholas and Alexandra than they did for Louis and uh, old Let Them Eat Cake. Yeah, Marie. man. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah. There's, I, I would hope so. They're still alive today. You can catch them on Netflix. Actually, they have a stupid fucking podcast that does way better than this one. Because, oh. Who doesn't? Oh, they're they're rewatching the fucking Russian version of Everybody Loves Raymond right now and talking about it and everybody's hooked in. <laughs> Let's hear what Alexander has to say about Deborah. Ugh. A provisional government was created so the Russians could decide which form of government they should have. And that is when Vladimir Lenin went to work. Lenin had been anti-monarchy and pro-communism his whole adult life. In the late 19th century, he'd published several papers denouncing... I'm the, the walrus? No. Vladimir... I, I'm the walrus. Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov. You're so out of your element. Did we nail that? Did we kill, nail that bit? I feel like we... we Basically. We fucking... Uh, Big Lebowski, for any of the people wondering. Yeah. That was Jordan Duncan from the free throw line. That was us sinking that bit. People are in hysterics Boom. right now, crashing their cars. Laughing so hard. Dunked on the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Fools. Fools. <laughs> Fools. Where the fuck was I? Well, Lenin had been anti-monarchy and pro-communism his whole adult life. In the late 19th century, he'd published several papers denouncing the Tsar, and that gotten him exiled to Switzerland. He just ate all that cheese and played with the knives and stuff. What else? <laughs> Drank some Swiss Miss. Well, once he heard about the Tsar being overthrown and the people rioting in the streets, he knew he had to get back to Russia. He's like, I gotta get back there and steal me a flat screen while all this fucking distraction's going on. You know what I'm saying? Korean store owners just taking pot shots at you from the roof. Yep. That was a big problem in 1917 Russia. It really was. Dude, they're neighbors with Korea. Yep. If it happened in the LA riots, it definitely it probably happened. happened in 1917 Russia. Fair enough. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. That's all I'm saying. Prove it didn't, listen. The guy that brought up fucking flat screens is going to come <laughs> at me about anachronisms. Okay. <laughs> they didn't have flat screens back then? What the fuck did they do? Diddled. Oh, hello. Hey. <laughs> I guess that's hey, what... Hey, any surviving members of 1917 Russia? Mm. Where's that... Where's that chick that was grabbing Rus Rasputin's dick and calling him God? She can come grab mine and... You know, at least call me St. Peter or something, you know, because it's smaller. <laughs> it's not as impressive, but, you know, it, it's still holy. Maybe just like St. Petey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she would be uh, very condescending with your title. Hey, St. Petey. Let me see little Pete. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me right <laughs> now? <laughs> Show me that Pete Pete. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. 
Well, getting back to Russia should have been a difficult task, considering Lenin would have to travel through Germany and Eastern Europe to get home, and, you know, there was this huge fucking war going on at the time. But Germany saw an opportunity to fuck up things on the Russian home front even more. And so, in the middle of the night, they tossed Lenin into a sealed train car and took him to the Russian border. From there, he and his family rode in horse-drawn sleds across Russia to Petrograd, where he immediately went to work. And that's where he met uh, Paul McCartney? Mm-hmm. And the rest is history. Ah, uh, yep. Yeah, you know what? It is. Yeah, until fucking Yoko showed up from Korea, started shooting at him from the rooftops. And Seeing like, Korea's right next door. Yeah. It all ties back, Chris. Yep. I know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, I guess it's not that Lenin. But basically. And Yoko Ono's not from Korea, but who cares? Just write it down. You who can, does care? No one cares about accuracy in a history podcast. I'm guessing she's Japanese based on the name. Do you know? Do you know? I don't know. Am I wrong? I don't, I don't know. know. I think she's Japanese. It's got to be, right? Yeah. That sounds Japanese. We're rolling with it. She's Vietnamese. Japanese. Vietnamese. 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 Okay. I'm, go- I'm going. Hopanese. John Lennon met her in the service. While he-, he was over there. And he fell in love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John Lennon, the soldier. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where we are anymore. I quit the podcast. Well, Lenin declared the provisional government to be a puppet of the bourgeois, which is the wealthy elite class for those of you who don't know why someone calls them bougie when they pay 50 cents for cheese on their hamburgers. It makes me feel so fancy. My my Starbucks, my cheese on my hamburger. I got a shirt that says I love wine. It's like... Wine down Wednesday is my shirt, and I wear it on Wednesdays so my girlfriends know that I'm going to have a glass of white, have some Moscato. Lenin also said World War I was a capitalist sham and called for a quote-unquote revolutionary defeat, which is sounds like an oxymoron to me, but whatever. And he decided they should just stop fucking fighting. You're an oxymoron. I totally am. You're oxy dumbass. I mean, I'm high on oxy. I'm an oxy cotton hero. I was about to say I'm high on oxy cotton. So who knows what I'm saying right now? You may be right. Lenin's party, the Bolsheviks, continued to grow in size and power. In response, the provisional government issued an arrest warrant for Lenin in August. Lenin said, "Okay, arrest this." Grabbed his dick and fled the country to Helsinki, Finland. He would remain there until October 1917. In the meantime. Russians continued to lose battle after battle, and the provisional government was filled with infighting and attempted coups. On the political front, however, it didn't look great for the Bolsheviks. The far more liberal-minded and wealthy, friendly provisional government was set to have Congress in November and would likely pass a set of laws that Lenin wasn't a huge fan of. We're going to pass a bunch of laws that make it we have to play a bunch of silly love songs instead of stuff about walruses and being high on acid. Oh, man, no, I don't want any part of that. That's my Lennon impersonation. It's really good. I fucking nailed it. Dude, fucking spot on. Either Lennon. You can pick either Count one. It, dude. Either one. <laughs> English, Russian. Yeah. You kind of did skate a, a line between the two. Yeah. yeah you know. It's impressive in that, right? In that you're awful at accents, but it was kind of right in between an English accent and a Russian accent. So when I was, I'll, I'll give it to when you. I was doing it, I was like, "This sounds like Bob Dylan, like a terrible Bob Dylan impersonation." But you know, whatever. 
Damn. I never thought about it, but he does sound half, half Russian, half English. <laughs> he does. That's why he's so popular with everybody. Everybody loves Bob Dylan, oh, right? Oh, everybody. All the kids are like, when's that new Bob Dylan mixtape dropping? That shit is straight fire. Can't wait to hear his SoundCloud. Dude, didn't he drop something recently that was like 12 minutes long? 17 minutes long. It's a song about the oh, G- God. JFK assassination, and it is fucking terrible. Oh, that's right. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's awful. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. It's just... <laughs> they shot Kennedy. Uh, Wolfman, play some songs. I'm Bob Dylan. Hey, everybody loves me for some reason. He ends all his, I don't know why. Why, why. He ends oh. all of his lines like Dracula saying, Bleh, bleh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to drink your blood. <laughs> he does. Yeah. You're not wrong. Oh, I know. I have, you know what? I feel like this is our best episode ever because I've just, I've just been crushing it with everything. So, uh, <laughs> let's see. How, okay. Yeah. Let's see how it goes here. And so, on October 10th, Lennon snuck back into Petrograd in a disguise. We're not sure if he was wearing a dress, but let's go ahead and assume he was. We're counting it. Here we are. He gathered the 12 men who led the Bolshevik party and suggested they should take the government by force. Only two of the men present voted against the idea. Those two men leaked the plan to the other communist parties, and they pushed the Congress back, but it was too late. On October 25th, 1917, the Red Guards of the Bolshevik Party launched their attack. They launched artillery on the capital and stormed the palace, which was sparsely guarded by drunken soldiers. By 2 a.m. on October 26th, the provisional government had been completely overthrown and the Bolsheviks were in power. Russia was pretty much immediately thrown into a civil war between the Red Army, which supported the Bolsheviks, and the White Army, who were anti-communists and who were far more liberal-minded than Lenin could tolerate. Lenin had moved the capital to Moscow, and three white armies were moving in on it, but they were poorly organized, poorly led, and poorly equipped, and so they were easily defeated by the Red Army, which had grown to include five million men. Which is an insane number. Yes. Especially for, you know, early 20th century. Yeah, in a civil war, too, you know, they should be divided. Yeah, it's fucking crazy, dude, to have a five million man army on one side of a civil war. Yeah. It showed how popular these communists really were. Right. And and that would last for the rest of history. <laughs> That's stupid. It was 1918, and Lenin was having a great deal of success. He just released Abbey Road. It was a huge hit. But suddenly, the Beatles broke up, and you didn't know what was happening. You're like, what? They were best friends, and all... Oh, we're... oh no! Yeah, no. Okay, let's let's just go ahead and murder that joke like they murdered Rasputin. No, it was 1918, and Lenin was having a great deal of success, but there was still a lot of opposition in the countryside that had to be taken on. And we kind of saw this in the the French Revolution, the Robespierre episode, where they conquered the cities with their you know, their ideals, but all of the dumb hicks were like, uh, you know, I don't think COVID really affects anybody. They're making up those numbers to try and shut down <laughs> the economy and take away our civil liberties. If you if you get a gunshot wound right in the face and you test positive for COVID, they're counting that as a COVID death. Yeah, it's fucking bullshit. No, they're not, dumb motherfucker. <laughs> well, those dumb hicks were the ones opposing Lenin, and that wouldn't work out too great for them. Who's also worried that the bourgeois would increase support for the white army, so he decided they would have to be dealt with as well. Number one on that hit list, 
the former Tsar Nicholas and his family. Bum, bum, bum. They're going to be fine. They can defeat communism. Well, in August of 1917, Nicholas and his family had been moved from St. Petersburg to the same province in Siberia that Rasputin had been born and raised in. They lived in relative comfort in the governor's palace. When Lenin and the Bolsheviks took power in October of 1917, they began to wonder what to do with the Romanovs in Siberia. There was talk of putting Nicholas on trial and executing him, like the French had done with Louis XVI during their revolution, but for the time being they had bigger problems to deal with in their war against the White Army. In March of 1918, things got harder on Nicholas and Alexandra. And this time... It wasn't Rasputin. Hey, all right. Hey. <laughs> it wasn't bang, bang, 14 inches of cold steel. They were placed on soldiers' rations, and all of their servants were fired. Maybe worst of all, they could no longer have butter and coffee. That's my favorite morning drink. They're basically living in squalor. Yep. Like, I bet they even downgraded their Hulu plan from no commercials to, like, the... The basic plan. Oh, they had to watch commercials. Oh, God. They're trying to watch reruns of Scrubs to keep up with that new podcast, that rewatch podcast with those, you know, quarantine celebrities. They're like, ugh, these episodes actually take 30 minutes. Like, I'm fucking watching them on NBC in the year 2000. This is bullshit. Ugh, yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine living like that. Dude, Hulu with commercials is hell. I'd like to welcome our new sponsor, Hulu with commercials. <laughs> you can go fuck yourself. Catch our ad uh, in between your favorite episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. In April, the family was moved to Yekaterinburg in the Ural Mountains. They were placed in a house that the Red Army referred to as, quote, the house of special purpose. Right? Now, fans of the 1978 Steve Martin hit film, The Jerk, might think that special purpose means having unprotected sex at a carnival, but 1918 Russia, it meant something much more sinister. Well, at this new house, the family was stripped of all of their titles and were addressed only by their names. The guards would taunt the family and say lewd things to the Romanov daughters. And, yeah, they would draw pictures on the fence depicting Rasputin banging Alexandra, amongst other things. They draw it and they walk up to the daughters and like, like pointing at it. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. Do you get it? Look at that. Like the dog. Yeah. You see? <laughs> like <laughs> the dog. Hey. <laughs> Please, sir. I just want some butter in my coffee. <sighs> Let me smoke cigarette and drink the vodka. <laughs> well, their belongings were frequently searched and they were no longer allowed to speak to each other in any language other than Russian. And. Remember, Nicholas and Alexandra both preferred to communicate to each other in English because it was their best common language. And it is the best language. Fuck you, Germany, with your fucking WVs. <laughs> <laughs> Anything valuable they had was taken by the soldiers for the quote-unquote Russian treasury. Alexandra and the girls had several topaz gems that Rasputin had given them. To keep them safe, they actually sewed them into their clothes. It's kind of like you play a... Uh... A video game, like an RPG, and you, like, fucking stab somebody, and he disappears, and, like, a coin appears. It's kind of the same thing. They just sewed it into their loincloth. It's basically the same exact thing. Yes, Chris. Yes. 
I'm just trying to I'm just trying to make it understandable for our idiot listener. Okay? I'm just trying to make it, you know, put it down on their level cuz they're like, I don't understand. Why would you sew clothes or why would you sew gems into your clothes? Obviously. Yeah. So when a hero of a video game kills you, it pops up in a little cloud of smoke and you collect it and then you spend it on potions, you fucking morons. God. Yeah, you guys are idiots because <laughs> obviously when Rasputin was stabbed nearly to death by the noseless prostitute, mm-hmm. he clearly jumped up, hit his head on a fucking brick, and out came a one-up mushroom yeah. that he ate and continued to live, at least for a little bit. This is basic fucking history. I don't know what the schools are teaching you people, <laughs> but uh, you should just send us thank you letters and gift cards and, you know, bitcoins. Just, you know, just send us fucking money. I'm so poor. <laughs> Well, Nicholas, Alexandra, and the rest of the Romanovs weren't allowed to look out the windows, or they'd be fucking shot at. Jeez. They weren't allowed to even talk to the guards. If they wanted to leave their bedroom to go, you know, take a piss, take shit, whatever, they had to ring a bell and were watched by guards the entire time. So, just imagine being a royal family in charge of a huge country. Mm Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you're degraded to this. It's it's basically my life under quarantine. Like, I'm in this closet recording, but if I want to leave this closet, I have to ring a bell. And my wife has to unlock the door so I can go out and pee or poop or whatever. And she hasn't done... Don't, she, don't lie to the listener, Chris. Mm. It's been like that for <laughs> at least a year and a half. Well, yeah, okay. But, you know, the corona thing made it seem more acceptable. We all have our pride, right? I don't want you guys to think, you know, I'm struggling when we do this, but uh, I'm drowning. I thought you were devoid of that at this point. (laughs) I try my best, but I'm drowning in my own shit in this closet because she won't unlock the fucking door. Please send help. (laughs) Well, for a while, the doctors were allowed to see Alexi, you know, because he was a hemophiliac and all. Mother, I am bleeding. Send doctors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But eventually, even this was put to a stop. In July of 1918, the Czechoslovak Legion had pushed close to Yekaterinburg. The Czechoslovak Legion was a group of Czech and Slovak soldiers. Surprise, surprise. Wait, no. How did they come up with a name, though? (laughs) Who had fought for Russia in World War I with the hopes of furthering their own independence. Did you know they were actually formed as a part of the French Foreign Legion? I did not know that. I know they were in alliance with the British, and they had... Mm-hmm. discussed, you know, we need to keep fighting from, you know, the East. They actually started as a uh, a group of the French Foreign Legion. Mm. Well, when the Bolsheviks took over, the Legion opposed any sort of Russian surrender and began to fight with the White Army in hopes of continuing their World War One fight as well. Basically, they wanted their own independent countries, and the only way they saw that was defeating Germany in this war. And Russia was like, fuck it, we're done. We're done fighting. So, like, okay, now we're going to fight you, too, to make you keep fighting so we can fight the Germans and win this war and get our own independence. And I think we all know it worked out for them pretty spectacularly. And Czechoslovakia was its own independent nation. Immediately, it didn't exist uh, after the Soviet Union fell. It existed the whole time. We all know that. That's pure history. Uh, yeah, that's basically it. It's exactly the opposite, in case anyone doesn't know. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically it. 
Well, in July, the Czechoslovak Legion, as well as the White Army, were actually going to Ekaterinburg to protect the railway, but Lenin feared they were going on a rescue mission. Not only were the Romanovs a threat because they might join up with the White Army, but also, if they lived, they'd be recognized as the rightful leaders of Russia by the rest of Europe. And that was a fight Lenin stood no chance of winning. And so, Lenin ordered the secret police to execute the Romanovs. Execute Order 66. The Star Wars reference. Hey, ladies. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to kill a bunch of kids, baby. <laughs> hey. Mm. What's up, ladies? You like me murdering children? Mm. Come get some. <laughs> Come ride my lightsaber. Yeah. It's like Count Dooku's. It's got that weird bend in it. And you're like, why is he holding it like that? It's because it's just how it's shaped, okay? Don't worry about it. On July 17th, the family was woken up by their doctor shortly after midnight and were told they were being moved to another house to keep them safe from all of the fighting in Ekaterinburg. The entire family was led to the basement where they were told to wait on the truck that would take them away. This makes sense. What's the easiest way you get to a truck that's waiting outside in the driveway? Go through the basement. Smart thinking. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Suddenly, an execution squad appeared, and the head dick in charge of the squad said aloud, Nikolai Alexandrovich, in view of the fact that your relatives are continuing their attack on Soviet Russia, the Ural Executive Committee has decided to execute you. Nicholas shouted, What? What? And the firing began. And, listener, I did my best to basically keep the integrity of the final words of Nicholas II. So, I like please, be respectful. Don't laugh at, at the yelling. Oh, I'm I'm laughing because it reminds me of Rose Pierre, whose last words are, ah! right before they cut off his head. Oh, you just clipped out my headphones, you <laughs> asshole. <laughs> but yeah, basically... That's how I would imagine it, yeah. you know? Now, what followed was 20 minutes of pure chaos. Nicholas was shot three times in the torso and died quickly. Alexandra was shot in the head. The execution squad wasn't well organized and were shooting over each other's shoulders and had been basically, like, fucking crazy inaccurate. Yeah. Hey, let me shoot. I want to shoot. Bow, 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 bow. Just shoot. Give me a shout. Give me a shout. <laughs> And, like, one of them jumps up and goes, Six Saber Tyrannus! And starts shooting. <laughs> bang, bang! <laughs> bang, bang, shot! Shot! <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting off my horse. <laughs> Rocket horse! <laughs> well, so they executed the Tsar and Tsarina at this point. Now, the room was filled with smoke and dust and was so dark that no one could see anything. The four Romanov daughters and Alexei were all still alive. You missed me, motherfucker. <laughs> My hemophiliac ass could fuck your mother and take you down any day of week. Clot this, you stupid bitch. <laughs> I've tried many times to clot your mother's vagina, but somehow it does not work. Your mother's vagina is a hemophiliac, am I right? High fives, guys. <laughs> this is the worst podcasting that's ever been done in the history of podcasting. The noise was drawing attention, and so the men were ordered to use their bayonets instead. 
They tried to stab the children, but were failing to cause fatal wounds and resorted to shooting instead. Alexei was the first child to die, surprise, surprise, with his executioner stabbing him multiple times and then unloading an entire pistol magazine into the boy. And at that point, it was like The Shining, where the elevator opens and the blood comes pouring out. Just just blood everywhere. Blood in the hall. <laughs> yeah. The girls were killed right after, with Maria and Anastasia attempting to hide in a corner before they were killed. Following the shooting, one of the guards walked through the room and bayoneted all of the bodies, you know, just to make sure. Gotta be 100% on that thing. Yep. All in all, over 70 rounds of ammunition were fired during the execution. The bodies of the family were taken to a mining village about 15 kilometers north of Yekaterinburg. The initial plan was to bury them in an abandoned mine, but the truck carrying their bodies got stuck in the goddamn mud. Mm. And so, the Romanov dynasty came to an end. As the bodies were laid in a pit in a roadway, doused in sulfuric acid and quicklime, and covered up with railway ties. Their grave would not be discovered until 1979. And that's your charred white thing right there. We got it. Hey. Welcome back to the drink Charred white oak, baby. The Russian Civil War would rage on until 1921, when Lenin and the Bolsheviks would emerge victorious and the Soviet Union would be formed. In 1924, Vladimir Lenin would suffer a massive stroke and die. Fuck you. You know, I've given myself a lot of massive strokes. <laughs> hey. You know what I'm saying? Hey. And I'm still alive. <laughs> anyway. I like the song version. We should introduce more singing into this, this podcast. <laughs> still alive. I jerk off every day. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, that sounded awful. <laughs> I nailed that. That was fucking cat. <laughs> Whatever. What do they call those cat... Uh... Orgasms. Okay, yes. Cat <laughs> orgasms on a chalkboard. Uh, <laughs> Lennon's body would be embalmed and placed in a glass coffin, which is actually still on display in Moscow today, unlike Rasputin's penis. Mm-hmm. Lennon's successor would be a young man by the name of Joseph Stalin. I bet you he goes on to do some great things. Real good Probably. guy. I bet you. Yeah, yeah. Probably a swell stand-up dude. Just a man of the people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, it's hard to say what would have happened to the Tsar and Tsarina if they had never met Grigory Rasputin. In reality, he didn't shape policy or secretly run the country. He was just a divisive dude who liked to get hammered drunk and fuck everything that moved. And in the end, isn't that something we all strive to be? End. Of story. I feel like that's who you are right now, Greg. I just want to be divisive and fuck. Hmm. I guess you're not wrong. <laughs> well, Greg, it is time for the proven favorite segment of the dead Romanov Empire. Misconceptions slash surprises you may have had about this story. What do you got for me today, buddy? All right, so my my big thing, as as we have told the listener last episode we both know the story yeah or think we do at least the rest we thought we did at least the rasputin story yeah my big misconception upon actually like deep diving into it reading a reputable source that wasn't you know Ill influenced by iliador right any of that was 
the death of Rasputin, it wasn't this just crazy fucking thing where this guy had ate a bunch of poison and was still standing, then got shot and was still standing, then crawled out to the snow, shot again, still standing, and thrown into the into the river, bound, and then ended up drowning after all that. Right. No, it, it's not that. There was no water in his lungs. The poison, obviously, was not there. Yeah. The dude was probably just getting tired because it was late as fuck, and he drank all the goddamn time, so it's just kind of that time of the night for yeah. him. So uh, the whole death mythos thing was upon actually going into it. That was my big surprise. Yeah, you know, I look at that, and his daughter Maria actually said, you know, if he was there and nothing was happening, he wouldn't have stayed for three or four hours, whatever it was, uh, just drinking. Like, he liked to drink, but he would have, you know, he needs a reason. He needs something going on. He wouldn't just sat there with fucking uh, Yusupov and drank and said, hey, when's something going to happen? He would have he booked. So, hmm. in my mind, basically what happened was Yusupov gave him the poison, saw it didn't work, and immediately shot him. And, like, this whole... We went and checked on him hours later, and he was alive and started fighting us, and it was just all made-up shit to make him look better. Uh, I think he was... he. They shot him. He took off running. They shot him again. He died. They threw him in the river. End of story. Um, but you gotta, you gotta come up with something cooler than that to make yourself look better, you know, when you're telling the story a couple of years later. Yeah, I agree. Um, that said, what is your misconception or surprise? Mine, I knew a lot about Rasputin. I kind of knew this story. And like you, the death had been exaggerated, so I kind of always believed the he had a bunch of poison and he didn't die, and then he got shot and didn't die. But once we... Yeah, once we and then drowned waterfall lungs. And then once you examine this source, our main source, you go, okay, yeah, you know what? You're right. It doesn't make a lot of fucking sense, the actual story. Like, from a scientific standpoint, everything makes sense when you start thinking about it. It wasn't actually cyanide. He died when he was shot, all that shit. Um, but my biggest misconception, I didn't know a lot about the Russian Revolution. And I thought Lenin was much more popular than he was. And I thought this wasn't so much as a violent revolution as a just an ideological revolution. But no, they fucking seized the capital. They took over. And then, you know, they have to fight a civil war for four more years inside the, you know, their entire country to gain control and establish the Soviet Union. I didn't really know any of that, so that was kind of interesting to learn about. Okay. Well, I guess that's it for old Gregory Rasputin. So, Gregory Rasputin HBH, will you take us home? I suppose I will. Guys, thanks for listening uh, to yet another one of our epics, our uh, odysseys. Yeah, basically Bay- I mean it. Beowulf. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> Ah, you know, it's a two-parter. We like to play it up, whatever. Please find us uh, online at 100proofhistory.com. Look us up on social media at 100proofhistory. And for our Patreon subscribers, thank you. I hope you're enjoying all of the unique content that we tailor to you guys. For the non-Patreon subscribers, I would implore you, join. Mm-hmm. Join Go us. Join. <laughs> Join now. Uh, no, check it out, seriously. Uh, you can find the link on our, our website. It's cheap, and we have different tiers. But basically, you get everything at 
what is it, Chris? The three dollar tier. Yeah, three dollar tier. You get early release. You get hangovers. You get extra giveaway yeah. entries. It's fantastic. Exactly. So for those of you that don't know, we do uh, episodes every week that are hangovers. They're really short, kind of succinct episodes where we record them after these or we're kind of lit already. Oh, yeah. I'm, ex- but, I'm excited for this next one that we're about to record because we're both yeah, pretty tanks. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. But, um, yeah, they're just like weird stories. Yeah, it's stuff you haven't heard of. Uh, they're smaller in scope. But they're most of the times way more crazy, yeah, than or the normal stuff we cover, and we try to cover entertaining things. So, you know, check it out if you can. Yeah. If not, no big deal. We appreciate you guys listening. Like you listen to one of our episodes, and it's a crazy episode. But we got to set up the backstory and do all this fucking roller coastering, and like where I'm like, here we go. Here's the revolution, and Greg's like, here's all the murder that followed. Yeah. Well, the the hangover is just straight murder. It's all straight downhill on the roller coaster, baby. And so, yeah. you know, it's... It, it's no foreplay, mm-mm. all action. Yeah, it's straight to the penetration. So Just, yeah, pound town USA. Yep, so we hope you guys subscribe. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, every once in a while, we will throw out a little bone. We'll give you guys a, a bonus episode just to let you know what you're missing. But you need to subscribe if you want to hear all this crazy fucking stories. And not only that... You get to listen to all the uh, old episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, the more episodes we release, the more we take off the market. So, that's all I'm saying. Come on down to Bone Town. That's right. That's what we call our Patreon, Bone Town. All right. I've had enough of you, listener. Yep, I will. Be s- gone. I'll see you guys next week. Um, I don't know if Greg will be here, but we'll find out. Tune in next week to see if Greg has made it back. Bye. Bye. Yeah. The calling again. You don't have to turn on the red light. Roxanne. I don't know the words. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Fuck is my mouse. Oh, there it is. In your asshole. No, it's my gerbil. Oh, oh, my, my bad. My bad. I'm going to stop fingering this Barbie's boobs. I have no joke written in there. You wrote that no, day started. You wrote no joke huh? in parentheses. Like, do not make a joke here. <laughs> and then you sing a song. <laughs> Nailed it even when I didn't want to. Yeah. You don't tell me what to do, Greg, in the past. Fuck, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. You're old, Greg. I'm new, Greg. <laughs> I've never seen a baby with a nice ass. Just go ahead and shoot the shit out of the pil- God damn it, I felt like I was doing there. Pilgrims. Yeah, the pilgrims. <laughs> Fuck Quaker ass. <laughs> we will have Vlautis off cereal. Aim for the square in the buckle of their hats, boys. <laughs> That's what they get for wearing belts on their fucking heads. <laughs> fucking idiot Puritans. You won. You defeated Burger King, and now they don't exist anymore. I thought I won. Yeah. And I've realized now I lost. <laughs> I lost everything, Chris. <laughs> I lost my soul that day. That was the turning point in my life. I was going to be a doctor, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> <laughs>
When Lennon and the bull... <laughs> bullshit Vix. More like it. Bullshit Dicks. That's what my band name's gonna be. Lennon and the Bullshit Dicks. When Lennon and the Bolsheviks took power in October of 1917... Seventeen. <laughs> Hello? Hello? <laughs> How may I make y'all acquainted? Why do you talk like that? I had a stroke. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you like porn mags? I got porn mag subscriptions. <laughs> but for the time, oh god! <laughs> Even for the time, Andy is Otis. Just I said for their time. Just let me stay <laughs> in the jail. Job. If you don't let me stay in this jail cell tonight, Andy, I'm just gonna expose myself again. <laughs> I'm just thinking of Andy Griffith having to throw somebody in the cell looking like the fucking gimp from Pulp Fiction. I've been getting butt fucked all day, Andy. It's just, it's dick just flopping out of the zipper in the front. <laughs> oh, my kid the kiddie story right now. Don Knotts wonders saying, Andy, what is happening? <laughs> Well, Barney, this guy was down at Otis's getting his hair cut, and he just whipped down his dick and started masturbating and talking about how he had <laughs> anal beads jumped up his ass. <laughs> Grabbed a little boy's ass, and we had to take him in. <laughs> yeah, we had no choice. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. That was a good one, boy. Hey, we're both drunk. Don't fucking bust my balls. Shirtless fucking yeah. podcaster. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs>